0: Hello Northern Michigan, welcome into episode 112 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, in the studio with my two esteemed colleagues. Now I got two esteemed colleagues. Andrew Rosenthal and James Cook, here for episode 112 in the middle of February. We have a really good episode today though. We have a nice long interview with a couple of very special guests. Some female wrestlers from Frankfurt and Traverse City West, Andrea Ferrari and Briellen Clapp from Frankfurt and Frankfurt coach Jamie Smith. They came into the studio on Monday to chat about the Women's State Championships Uh, what it's like being women wrestlers, especially, uh, you know, being T.C. West, Frankfurt, some of these uh, very big programs up here that are, you know, highly touted across the state, and then you you see these women uh, making their strides into their respective sport. We have to talk about basketball, big game tonight, James is actually heading out to, we're going to do a little preview, I know it's going to be a little bit late, but Cadillac, Glen Lake, two of our best teams in the area, play tonight while this podcast uh, will be being published, but we want to just talk about it a little bit, had a couple shakeups in the boys basketball scene over the past week, we're going to make sure we get to that, gotta dive into another rendition of the hall of fame where we have three more worthy athletes being put up as our athletes of the week for a chance to get put into the hall of fame we're gonna dive into our trifecta where we give you our reaction about the first week of the xfl all had a chance a little at least a little chance to watch it um i know we all have very different opinions i had fun yesterday but i have some i have some issues and some grapes that i want to grieve but fellas let's let's start off First of all, I'll let you know, this podcast is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. So let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, get into the Pulse, gentlemen. You guys saw some basketball games last week. I actually got out to two last week, which was exciting. We got Petoskey, Elk Rapids, I saw last week, and I saw Cadillac, TC Central. So I saw a couple of Big North teams last week. It kind of shook up everything last week, boys. So let's get started there. You guys have seen Traverse City Central play. They beat Cadillac, who was in the rankings, who was top of the BNC, tied with Petoskey. Uh, but both of you guys have seen them play. Would it surprise you if Trevor City Central was able to kind of sneak out a share of the Big North Conference title here at the end of the year? Well,
1: that's the thing about Central is that they don't have to have any one-person score 15 or 20 a night because they have three or four of those guys who can do that. Uh-huh. And then they've got some other good complementary pieces, too. I like the depth that they have and how they can bring guys off the bench and not have a gigantic fall-off in level of play. I mean, you don't see that that often in, in schools, so it, that's a really good thing for them to have.
0: I think cattle. I think that Traverse City Central. I think their biggest upside is that their size is, as a whole. I mean, with the exception of both like was it Carson Bordeaux, Carson Hall, and Carson Hall. Yeah, except except for the, the two little Carsons, everybody's like six five, six six. That's hard to play. That's hard to game plan against, especially. I mean, I saw Cadillac, who you know I had been voting in the rankings. I know they had beaten everybody except for Traverse City West that they had played so far, but you know they couldn't get around Traverse City Central's size. They had troubles getting open shots. I mean, just hands in the face, long arms for Traverse City Central. Played a lot of, uh, wreaked a lot of havoc on Cadillac's game. They really weren't able to make any three-pointers, and they had a lot of trouble around the rim. Has nothing against Cadillac, because I do think Cadillac is a very dangerous team. Them being Division Two, playing up in the BNC, has done nothing but make them better. There's still two losses now with Traverse City Central, Traverse City West. So this is going to be a tough end of the season for Cadillac, but they still control their own destiny. Traverse City Central already has, already had those losses before they saw Cadillac. That just brought them into the level, and Cadillac still has another win in the BNC above Traverse City Central. But I want to talk to you guys. I don't think either one of you guys have seen them, but I honestly think that Petoskey is the team to beat in the Big North Conference. I mean, have you guys seen them on the court this year? I've not seen them. I wouldn't doubt that, though. I mean, you know, Nate Eberly Rodriguez is, uh, you know, a, a nice big guy to have down in the post. I think he's more than just a nice big guy. I think he might be the biggest guy in the area of playing basketball this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do. I
0: and mean, he's like, what, 6'5", 6'6". Oh, he's, he's a solid 6'6", if not And he 6'7". plays tight
1: end. I mean, he's like 230. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a big athletic kid. And then, you know,
0: you got Gabe Whitmore, good athlete. He's a, good, he's a good basketball player. Yeah, yeah. He, he had 22 points in the game last week. Just, uh, I mean, even in that game against Elk Rapids that I saw, he wasn't the superstar, but he still scored like 12 points. Made a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they broke Elk Rapids' press pretty, pretty well. I was surprised. You know, the story that I wrote was about Moore. Moore. Uh, he came off the bench, scored 17 points, but he really was a game changer. And uh, kind of like what you mentioned about Traverse City Central, the depth that they have, seeing the depth that Petoskey has is kind of scary. You You don't know it, but... They have two guys behind Nate Eberly and Rodriguez that are over six foot six. Um, they're sophomores and fre- they're sophomore and freshmen. They're young, you know. They're getting their playing time. They're kind of getting themselves uh, worked out. But they got some big kids. They needed to just put some bodies on people. They have the bodies to do it. They have the size to do it. So you wanna, they can go big or small.
1: They yes. can adjust in the playoffs to whatever they're playing.
0: But it, but in in reality is almost like Traverse City Central, where the majority, the great majority of their guys are over six foot three. Uh, the, the great mm-hmm. majority. They have a couple of guys who are running the point or one and two. I mean, even Gabe Whitmore, who's their shooting guard, is like six foot three. They, they, got, they got a big team, and Potoski is something to be worried about uh, for everybody in the Big North. I actually think that they are the favorite to hold on to this spot. And I don't think that anybody's gonna beat them again in the conference. A couple other ones, I mean, we talked about kind of a surprise last week, Glenn Lake falling to charlevoix in overtime charlevoix was down the entire game ended up clawing back forcing overtime and then beating Glen lake does this say more about charlevoix and their wherewithal with evan solomon and those type of guys who are in 20, 20 18 to 20 points a game or do you think it has issues with Glen lake not being able to close out games because we've seen them get into some tight games like this this year
1: yeah well, i mean Glen lake has dealt with injuries like all season it's, it's The wins that they've been able to put together has been impressive considering how many guys they've been missing for how many games. It's not like they've had, like, half their team out in one game, but it's been, like, two or three guys, it seems like, most every game. Ben Kroll has missed a big chunk of this season. When I saw him play last week, he was a nice factor in the middle uh, for them. Uh, Finn Hogan didn't barely played in that Charlevoix game, mm-hmm. and that's a big piece for Glen Lake. And you saw a couple days later
0: throwing down dunks and stuff. You yeah, know, that then that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah. He had just had his nose
1: broken the previous game against Kingsley, um, so he was wearing a mask and didn't play a whole lot in that game against Charlevoix. Um getting used to that. <laughs> I'm sure. So, so I mean, I mean that's that's a big piece. But I mean, Charlevoix has been pretty solid all season. Yeah. I mean. You know, they've got a stuck I mean, we're on the team and a stuck two, coaching them. They have two stucks on the team. Yeah, that's right. They have Caleb Both. and Luke.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and stuck the stuck coaching. Yeah. So, you, know, you know, there's some basketball chops hanging around there. But, yeah. it, I mean, talk about Charlevoix as a sleeper. Charlevoix is right behind Traverse City St. Francis in the Lake Michigan Conference. The only people that St- Charlevoix has lost to in conference is Traverse City St. Francis. Saint and they get him one more time. I, yes. I think that we are setting up for a very, very good matchup there at the end. Traverse City-St. Francis hasn't been wiping the floor with teams. You know, they've had their fair share of up and downs. they won in overtime. Wyatt and Alcides, not overtime, but just at the end of regulation against Boyne City. Last week, Wyatt and Alcides had to really make a play. Six seconds left, coast to coast, go and make a nice little, uh, you know, fading jump shot off to the left to keep Traverse City-St. Francis on top in the Lake Michigan Conference. But I think Charlevoix is one of those sleeper teams. This says more about Charlevoix than it does about Glen Lake. They were down the entire mm-hmm. game. They were able to fight back force overtime with just over 30 seconds left, and then come out and they just jumped on Glen Lake in overtime. So I think there's something to be reckoned with, especially, you know, you think, oh, man, they're second, third in the Lake Michigan Conference. No, I think that, come playoff time, Charlevoix is going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah, I, and I figured that Charlevoix would be pretty decent. They've got the other, uh, Jacob Mueller. And then uh, the team has been better in the Lake Michigan than I thought they were going to be is St. Francis. Yeah. Like, I... I, I, was, I was
0: curious how they were going to do this season because they lost so much last yeah. year. But Brendan Chouinard stepped up big. Yeah. Wyatt Nasadas has filled in for Danny Pasano that I don't think any of us thought was going to be a, a real viable like tr- quick transition, I guess, um, on the basketball court with what he used to do. But, I mean, Wyatt's not, to me at least, not a score-first point guard. He's a pass-first guy. And to set up his teammates, which is Saint, what has St. Francis's and Sean Finnegan's team has ran around over the last three or four years. So I think that the comfortability factor really worked out for St. Francis. Yeah,
2: I saw him play. He's 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 one of those like if I am gonna score point guards, I'm gonna do it in a pretty crazy way. I'm gonna jab around a guy. I'm gonna drive to the basket. I'm gonna go across the court. He's not afraid to do any of those super athletic moves. Yeah, and I
0: thought that 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 game winning shot that he had was a coast to coast. And then he, he crossed him over right at the top of the key, went to the left side, and did like a one-foot dirt fadeaway, which like you don't see very often, but he went right into the body, faded away, and made that shot with ice in his veins. So as a freshman, <laughs> you can't ask for much more than that.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the, the other thing in the Lake Michigan Conference is you're going to have to deal with some other good teams. And I, So I see Elk Rapids and Boyne City playing a factor in who wins this
0: league. It, I, I think Definitely. They, I mean, they already have. I mean, we, Elk Rapids, Preston Ball, Mason Travis... They have to carry that team. They do. Uh, the other guys are role players. They're not going to be able to score 15, 20 points a game. So Elk Rapids is on a nightly basis a threat to do something. On the other hand, I feel like, like you said, Charlevoix or Boyne. or Boyne City with Pete yeah. Alcaterra, Max Vondra, I think they might be the, the spoilers in the Lake Michigan Conference. I mean, they were already this close to taking down St. Francis mm-hmm. um, at home. So we'll see here in the next couple of weeks. I think that... Like you said, there's three. I put, I, I voted for Boyne City in the in the Division Two state rankings this week. I put them at like 13 or 14. But after what I saw in the last couple weeks, they still only have three losses on the season. I put them up in there. I, I voted for them because I think that they are just like Charlevoix. The Lake Michigan Conference is strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about girls a little bit. Uh, James, you're going to be heading out to a game tonight, big one at the very least. Cadillac, Glen Lake girls. Cadillac is undefeated. Glen Lake has two losses, both to very good teams um, across the state but this is this is probably the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, we we've, we've, we've seen how good Cadillac is. I mean, you know, they just destroyed Manistee by Both their 65 points or whatever it was. And uh, if you combine the boys and the
2: girls score, it was like an NBA game, like 140 to 39 with 29 threes.
0: Yeah. And then so yeah, I think Cadillac's like 14 and 0 now. 14 but, and 0. Yeah, let's let's talk about this this game tonight, fellas. First of all, does it? This is it's a non-conference game. This is literally just a tune-up for the playoffs. This, mm-hmm. is, this is to play the best people in in the best. But who do we see coming out on top in this game before it starts? We got to put it in stone. And then, what do you think each team needs to do in order to win tonight, James?
1: I mean, if I had to pick a team, uh, Cadillac hasn't lost a game yet, and they're the bigger school. <laughs> so those are two pretty big, pretty big factors. But, but for Glenlake, I haven't seen Grace Bradford play this year. And that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. Uh, you know, I mean she's putting putting up huge numbers and stuff and you know, she can be a game changer. And Glen Lake has a bunch of players a who bunch. I think who I think from game to game can be
0: those kind of game changing players that's too. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if Glenn Lake won this game. No, I I think that it's very, very plausible. I know I know for a fact that Glenn Lake has more size, Cadillac's a bit faster, they're gonna run a little bit more, Cadillac has some better shooters. But that's there's a big contrast in these two teams, I think. Uh, Cadillac is a run-and-gun, going to put it up, try and score 60, 70 points on you. Glen Lake, on the other hand, they, they move, but they are a half-court team. They have been, at least for the two years that I've seen them. Glen Lake and Bradford, they are a half-court team. They will use their size to their advantage. And, I mean, like you said, they still have three or four girls who can score the basketball pretty regularly. If Glen Lake's to win this game tonight, I see it because... Cadillac gets into foul trouble on their big girls. If Grace Bradford's at the line 15 times tonight, that's that's going to be scary for Cadillac. Mm-hmm. I think um, they don't. I don't think that Cadillac has the bodies to match up with the Lakers, but I think they have the shooters to kind of run them out of the gym. So I think they do. Uh, yeah, and so then, and then seeding. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. so seeds exactly. So that'd be it's going to be it'd be interesting. That means a lot. Uh, This game, especially for seeding, means a lot for uh, Cadillac, especially because this is one of the better teams that they're going to play, and they will get a lot of, you know, boost from this. All right, that's going to do it for Basketball Talk for now. There's one more thing we have to bring up in the Pulse before we get into our interview. James, you got some cool information on Sunday. I know we don't really talk about bowling too much on this podcast, but the GNHSBC had a big happening over the weekend. Why don't you tell the people what happened? The Great Northwest High School Bowling
1: Conference. the Maybe the second most longest yeah, name, other, other than that one eight-man conference that, that we I have. The, that's
0: the Midwest Central Michigan Eight-Man Football Conference. Something like that. <laughs> There's like three too many words. Yep. Uh, yeah,
1: Elk Rapids snapped Cadillac's 25-match win streak. They, Cadillac had never lost since they joined this league yes, in 2017. Are. And this is a league with like Traverse City Central and Traverse City West. And and West has traditionally been a pretty darn good. I mean, they just—they
0: had, cha- had, they had a state runner-up last year in bowling. Yeah, so they have. They have. They have good people. I mean, Noel Phillips mm-hmm. is still on the team this year. Yeah,
1: and uh, and and Elk Rapids beat Cadillac twenty-one to nine. I was told that the score is kind of closer than than that indicates. They've won twenty-five in a row. Uh, Zach Miracle for Elk Rapids hit uh, two thirty and two hundred one. In that it was a miracle huh? against uh, against Cadillac, Andrew Pearson had a two hundred nine. Um, so they got some pretty big pretty big games out of them. It's just uh it's kind of I don't know if you want to say historic or not, but I mean twenty five. Wow, the first loss, first in, loss in four, their conference three, three or four history years almost for Cadillac. Yeah, in
0: three years they joined in twenty seventeen. It's been three almost four years. They never lost. How many times do you think? All these people have been in a bowling alley together because they all go to the same place and bowl against each other. Like every week. No, they, literally every yeah. Saturday. How many times do you think these kids have been like, that's 25 times in a row at the very least that they've seen them that are like, all I want to do is beat them. All I want to do is beat them. Mm-hmm. Saturday was that day. Congrats, All Rapids. Yeah, right. All right, that is going to do it for The Pulse, which is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's, freak yeah. That's going to move us into our interview with the female wrestlers, Andrea Frary from Traverse City West and Brie Allen Clapp from Frankfurt and her coach Jamie Smith uh, to talk about the Women's State Championship and what it's like uh, joining one of those teams in high school. So let's go ahead and give a listen to that now.
1: All right, we're happy to welcome in uh, Frankfurt wrestlers, Coach Jamie Smith and sophomore Brie Clapp and Traverse City West Sr., Andrea Frary. You guys did uh, very, very well at the state tournament last week. We're here to talk a little bit about that with you guys. Um, Before we do that, though, we always do our Freaky Fast Five, which is an ode to our sponsor, Jimmy John's. Uh, we just ask you five kind of weird questions. I'm going to start off with an easy one for the wrestlers. What is your favorite move for takedown? We'll, we'll save we'll save from standing up, so for takedown.
3: Um, probably the lateral drop and the double leg
4: favorite would probably be front headlocks and then into really anything after that.
1: So a thrower. All right. Front what do you what do you guys what do you like teaching as a coach?
2: What's your favorite move to coach and
1: practice?
5: Uh, I mean really you gotta just go with your staples, so we're pretty big on the front headlock and then moving from I think my favorite to teach is the atom bomb. So it goes front and headlock right into a cradle off, off their feet, which is pretty fun. I
1: was never good at cradles. <laughs> I was good at getting in them.
5: Cradles are <laughs> them. See, cradles are everywhere. I mean, any time that knee goes to the head, you have to be able to see it and find it.
2: Yeah. In my three matches that I won, <laughs> each of them I won on a cross cradle. Yes. So, easy. because it was so easy, you know. And one time I threw a guy off the circle. I probably would have won that match, we, that three could have been at four.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. cradled them
2: the wrong way, but if you can cradle, that's very that's very, very, very easy. So
5: the atom bomb yeah. goes from a front headlock into a far ankle pick, so it takes them right into that cradle right to their back, so it's a pretty, pretty fun five point move.
2: And uh, the weigh end's always the part wrestlers don't really look forward to, but what's your favorite post-match meal or snack?
5: Like pasta
3: or like pizza or something. You,
2: do you have pasta like ready to go f- for that moment?
3: Not generally, I have to cook it, so. <laughs> we make peanut
4: butter and honey wraps. Our team does, and they're very good, very delicious and nutritious. Who makes them? Um, we do it ourselves.
2: Are you, so when it comes to tournaments, you know, there's always the gear stand off to the side, right? When you, when you go there, what, what's your go-to? Is it a warm-up sweater? Is it a pair of shorts? <laughs> Is it a different set of headgear? What, what, what's the key to style on the wrestling mat?
3: I usually get, like
4: I always, I have two t-shirts from when I went to States and then I have a nice little sticker on my car, so you can, I mean, I think I've seen a lot of different things, sweatshirts, shirts, like it's always nice to get something to remember the moment.
3: I mean, we, when we went to States, we also got a couple t-shirts and I believe my sister got a sweatshirt and then we did get a sticker for our car, so that was pretty cool.
1: It's the second period and you get your choice. Do you prefer up, down, or neutral, and why?
3: I mean, I generally prefer being on bottom because we we work a lot with, like, stand-ups and switches, and I'm more comfortable on being on bottom because, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't a, always somewhat decent at wrestling. I used to be really <laughs> bad, <laughs> so I found myself in the bottom position a lot, so I really learned how to, like, defend myself and counteract that
4: so i think it kind of depends on the situation but most of the time like she said i would choose bottom just to get that escape point if nothing else because you don't want
3: to like slip up on top and do something dumb
2: gatorade or water
3: water 100 <laughs> percent probably water because i don't i don't know i've never really liked gatorade that much
5: so i mean water's always the way
2: to go bonus question favorite professional or olympic athlete and why
5: for Olympic, I would have to say David Taylor. Probably, I mean, Penn State, he was just dominant magic man. Oh, God. Uh, I, I also, at uh, Jeff yeah. Jordan, my little brother was actually his workout partner. So really? I've seen him when he was a sixth, seventh grader because my little brother went to Jeff Jordan and they put those two together because they're both tiny.
2: Yeah, when he dominated at Penn State, that was the year that ESPN just started to get into the NCAA finals and then just you would just win year after year, and it was something you just had to come back to.
5: Yeah, he was huge for the growth of wrestling in general, and actually, he has an Under Armour brand, Scrap Life, so he's one of those first ones that have kind of branded uh, wrestling and wrestling gear. So it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I mean, I really, I really liked gymnastics growing up. So like, Gabby Douglas was kind of like, I really like her, <laughs> and then Simone, I see her on like commercials and stuff. But
1: <laughs> is that a common transition? For girls that go into wrestling, to have a background in stuff like gymnastics.
5: I mean, my little brother did gymnastics when he was little. I think on the higher levels, you do see a lot of gymnasts that kind of transition as mm-hmm. wrestling starting to implode. Really, that if you have someone who like gymnastics and was pretty competitive, you know, through lower grade school. I mean, we do gymnastics. And tumbling a lot in our practices and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's always fun to watch heavyweights try to do somersaults. <laughs> <next time. laughs> or we yeah. used to
3: do front handsprings. springs actually, my freshman and sophomore year we would do those and a lot of the kids couldn't do the front hand springs, but I mean that's where I learned how to do a front hand spring was in
1: the wrestling room. <laughs> yeah yeah. I could see how this the skills would translate though. I mean yeah. definitely.
2: What other sports do you guys do in the, in the fall and spring, did, and how do you feel like wrestling, do you feel like wrestling prepares that for you or for you guys, or it makes you stronger, or, do you, or is it your main sport?
3: Um, wrestling is my main sport personally, but, I mean, there's not really much I do to prepare myself unless I go to, like, open mats, which I haven't been doing good about.
4: I run cross country for some reason in the fall, <laughs> and... <laughs> I feel like that really, that definitely prepares me for wrestling because running three miles is very similar to like the is it stamp stamina that you need to get through six minutes on wrestling that. Yeah, it's only six mm-hmm. minutes,
2: but to those who, to those that don't wrestle, six minutes might not seem like a lot. No, it doesn't, but it's like. But by way. the end of it, you're just like covered in sweat, and you're just like, God, is this is this over yet? <laughs> I wasn't that way. I was like, I wanted the match
5: to
1: go at least five.
5: You get a lot of cross country and wrestlers. I think it's kind of the same insanity level. Like, understand that it's really about guts and pushing your way through that.
2: And it runs right into wrestling, so it's a good lead-up to it. Have you guys ever had a match go into an Ultimate Tiebreaker where it's, like, a third overtime, I think? where yeah, it's a triple a th- overtime. Triple overtime where it's, like, the first to score a takedown. They get to choose top, top or bottom, and then from there, it's, it's just, like, first to get a point.
4: I haven't ever had that experience, but I've witnessed it. Quite a lot, and it's pretty intense. It's, the
5: it's even to watch. I happened to our heavyweight at Northern Michigan Championships two weekends ago. So he was, he was in his place match and went a triple overtime. Yeah. <laughs> Poor heavyweights. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you guys start wrestling in like a youth club? How old were you, or was it just in high school that I you picked it up? I
3: started my freshman year. That was my first year. I didn't know anything about wrestling and. I was just kind of like, I want to try this out. It sounds interesting. <laughs> could be something good. What
1: got you into it?
3: Well, personally, it was just me sitting in my class and we were going through all like the clubs and stuff. You could join and sports. You could join as a freshman. And I used to want to do football. And then everybody's like, oh, join the Powderpuff team. But they didn't really have a female football team. So I was like, all right, whatever. And then I was like, well, wrestling, that could be different. I was kind of more of a on the tomboyish side when i was younger so i started
4: my freshman year as well so it was last year and what got me into it was probably my coach because she's just really awesome and my brother also wrestled so he kind of told me some fun stories and i knew some of the guys on the team and wasn't really into basketball i'm pretty short so it wasn't really working out for me (laughs) so i decided to try it out because i knew that it would like push me and i wanted to Use my strength to my advantage instead of just not using it at all. So I tried it out, and I really liked it. And here we are.
2: Mm-hmm. When both the when both of you started, were you the were you were you the only girls on your team, or were there others that just made you feel more comfortable?
3: I was the only girl on the team, and consistently throughout the years, I've been the only female to actually stay on the team. We've had a couple females join here and there and stay for maybe one or two days and leave.
2: What stuck you with it?
3: I don't know. Honestly, (laughs) at first it was like, God, like, this is like strenuous. Like, I don't know if I can make it through this. And then I was like, I really like love this. And I kept showing up every single day. I was like, like it made me want to push myself harder to do better the next time I came into practice. Mm -hmm. So I guess that was kind of like the motivating thing was like, I want to do better. And like, people would be like, oh, it's a female like on the wrestling team <laughs> and so I was like well I want to do something good for myself and I want to like I guess just do something
2: for myself <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know. Embry was was your coach really supportive when you started to join?
3: Yes
4: very she's like my biggest supporter um but I was I wasn't the only girl and but I've been the only girl now for this whole year and it's been a good time. I've stuck with it because I think that it's all worth it like I mean, I'm every day. I'm getting stronger, so that's like a good thing. Mm-hmm. And like to get that pin, or even when you don't get a pin, just like you, you see results when you work hard. And I think it's like it's worth it to be pushed all
3: the time for
1: that. How many times, How much, How often is it that you guys have wrestling against boys? Every day. Every day. I mean, I mean in meets. I mean in practice. Yeah. Every, Pretty much.
3: Yeah. I mean, every time I go to a meet or tournament, I'm always wrestling guys. I, before the women's uh, state championship, I'd only ever wrestled two or three women. Yeah. So.
4: Same. I wrestled three girls before the tournament. I'd see them around, but they're all
3: really little usually.
4: So I wrestle guys basically all the time. I don't really mm-hmm. ever expect to wrestle a girl. It's kind of like...
3: Oh wow, it was good luck if you get to wrestle I guess.
4: Have you have
1: you ever uh, run into the the weird the guy who's like all weirded out about wrestling against a girl?
3: Yes, and in a way, it's you can kind of use it as an advantage
1: because
3: uh-huh. if like in my case, because I'm kind of higher up in the weight classes, people don't usually expect me to be stronger or like at least put up some sort of a fight so it's like it's kind of more of an advantage on my part because then i can go out there and be like oh you're gonna go on easy on me i'm
5: not gonna do the same for you so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
1: you can kind of come out and punch them in the mouth figuratively figuratively
5: like if you're not gonna do anything (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) yeah There are girls who are being successful, but this is why women's wrestling is so important because, you know, at the state meet, there was actually recruits. There was a lot of recruits. Mm -hmm. Women's wrestling is imploding, but for these girls to actually have an opportunity to be recruited and to see what they're capable of, they need to be wrestling girls. For Brie and I, one of our biggest takeaways from the tournament is that she needs to wrestle girls more. Um, you know, she spends, and she's, she's a beast, the girl benches 185, um, and she gives kids a run for their money. Every single time they shake my hand, they're like, wow, she's strong. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, she spends six minutes trying not to get pinned or just staying in the match, where all of a sudden we transition to states, and now we're spending six minutes throwing another body around. You know, and, and that's completely different in regards to how you're wrestling, that stamina, that expectation. Uh, So one of the things, one of our goals moving in for the next two years is actually that we have to give her more opportunities to wrestle girls, whether we have to travel or not. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's how we're going to get where she wants to be in the future. And I was Uh, going to ask, how much,
1: how much are those opportunities expanding? I mean, how much more is participation is there in girls wrestling now than, than even just a few years ago?
5: So if we talk state meet, so I'm going to use those numbers first. I mean, back when I wrestled, which was 96, 97, 98, yes, I'm old. Uh, I mean, I graduated in 2001, but you know, there was one girl, and the whole gym would watch. It was kind of this, oh, my gosh, there's a girl. And these guys are often one of the few girls in their weight class, but there's usually at least another girl in the gym or in northern Michigan. You know, there's four or five, and there's a great little community. Just in our state meet alone, last year we had 150 girls. that were represented by over 105 different teams.
2: And when you mention the state, is that the Michigan girls' state, or is that just the state meet overall? So
5: Michigan Wrestling Association, which is my coaches' association, uh, is the one that's put on the Michigan girls' state meet. so I'm talking about the girls' state meet. So last year was on So
2: that's not sponsored by the correct. MHSA? Nope. It's, yeah, um, it's,
5: it's sponsored yeah. by the MHSA, not sanctioned. So they are um, allowing us to be at, it's one of their eight dates. So it went from 105 different teams, 150 girls, to 150 teams, with 265 girls represented uh, when we went down. I mean, mm-hmm breezeway weight class alone had 24 girls in it. So, and that's just, Bree and I were having this conversation, there was multiple girls that we had seen during the year that were not at the state meet. So our numbers are probably close to 500, 600 girls that are actually competing with boys wrestling. So in division, uh, NCAA just named it their emerging sport for division two and three. Uh, there was, like I said, there was college recruits everywhere at the right. girls' state meet. Really cool.
1: Yeah, and you guys, with both placing, I mean, Bri you got fifth, and Andrew, you got third. Uh, did you have college coaches coming up to you and then and, and talking to you after the matches?
3: I actually had the um, women's wrestling coach from Davenport University approach me and ask for my contact information and that was really, really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was there
4: for a few. I think two came up to me, but I told them I was a sophomore and they are like, oh, sorry, I gotta back off. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched a lot of my friends. I think I watched two of them. One girl we took down, Kelsey, She uh, she's a senior for Benzie and she gave her information to
5: Ohio Wesleyan. Yeah. Just starting a new program.
4: Yeah, so it's definitely out there. I just got to get a little older, and then I'm hoping to talk to a few people.
2: For both of you, is that is that now the overall goal to wrestle in college if you can?
3: Personally, I would love to wrestle in college. I mean, I, I really do. I feel p- very passionate about this sport, and I didn't get my junior year. I had an injury, and I was out, and I honestly didn't think I was going to come back this year either. It was just kind of by a chance of luck, but I definitely would take any opportunity I could to wrestle in college so
2: Mm -hmm. going into high school if someone told you that you'd be at least thinking about that what would you say to them
3: at first I probably wouldn't even mm, acknowledge it very much because when I first started it wasn't for like going to states or like trying to make any huge like accomplishment it was more of like I want to do this I enjoy doing this so I don't know I'm just kind of seeing where it takes me and I mean it's been doing pretty good for me lately so
4: um, I would love to do that. I think it would be really cool. I definitely didn't think last year that it was ever going to be an option, and then I saw all the college recruits and stuff at States, and I was like, oh, okay, like this is actually like something that I could do. And now it's like all I think about. Whenever I'm wrestling, I'm, like, I have a goal, and I have something I really want to do.
2: Well, what's it going to take for the MHSA to sanction it?
5: So our actual hope at the MWA, I'm um, on the state, uh, committee, obviously being the only female head coach, I probably belong there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the one place I fit in. Our plan is, like I said, Breeze weight class had 24 in it. That's that's hardly. Oh, that's not a one-day tournament. You know, we actually we met the five competition limit, and luckily we had actually asked the MHSAA if we could continue to wrestle through so girls could actually wrestle mm-hmm. in placement. They went ahead and gave us that because it wasn't sanctioned, just sponsored. So our plan is that next year, if we host four regionals and actually come and make it 16 man brackets that you qualify for states, 16 man brackets, we show up. Once we do that one di- one year, I'm hoping, I'm hoping mostly for Brie. You know, Brie was there the first year as a freshman. So my hope is that her senior year, we can patch- package it up, hand it to the MHSA and say, just create a girls division if we're still at Ford Field, because we fit. You're already running division one, two, three, and four. We can just just add three more mats. They fit at Ford Field let us run girls' states alongside you, you can still just be a sponsor and then our hope is that after that that they would just sanction women's division and then as that continues to grow hopefully then we would actually have women's varsity teams compared mm-hmm. to men's varsity teams. The hardest part is everyone's afraid of that because I have one girl on my team. Am mm-hmm. I? Is that just going to take away an opportunity from her so that Brie can't wrestle on a boys team because technically there's girls teams but I don't have enough for a girls team so Really, it's just going to be to grow women's wrestling alongside men's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, anybody who's an advocate of wrestling should be an advocate of just growing the sport in right. whatever manner that is. So, my mm-hmm. hope is, and, and we're pushing it to ask for that to be in Bree's senior year. Uh, I'm hopeful that that's in two years probably realistically probably closer to three years away
1: so you're still the only female head coach of a boys team I am, in the state yes
5: I am the first and still the only I believe uh, West Ottawa is looking I think that they have a co-coach but they are treating the female co-coach as she's kind of in charge they're starting to grow their women's division mm-hmm. you know that's so the co-coach is kind of she's the girls because they are splitting as we talked about having opportunities to wrestle girls there are tournaments. Unfortunately for mm-hmm. me, how do I choose between my Frankfurt varsity wrestling team and just taking Brie? You know, so we're going to have to look at some opportunities for that next year. So West Ottawa, I believe, I read an article, has a co-coach and she's really kind of taking over the four or five girls that are in, uh, within that. So I think she's an official MHSA coach, but mm-hmm. a different role.
2: Bri and for Andrew when you guys were at MWA state the other week what was the atmosphere like compared to like a normal tournament you've wrestled at
5: I think the
4: atmosphere overall like a really good word to, like to describe it would probably be just powerful like whether it was tears or hugs or like laughing or being happy or being sad because you lost like it was just so like I could see it was so encouraging and powerful and there' was so much emotion and just love and like even after like some girls that I beat or they beat me. Like, afterwards when we were lining up for the parade, we were making jokes and laughing and there was no, like, I think everyone walked away, regardless of if you placed or you were on the podium or if you weren't, like, I think everyone walked away from that me knowing that they're, like, making history and they're, we're, like, we're all towards the same goal, I guess.
3: I mean, I guess a way to describe it was, like, I just could see, like, the amount of, like, pride in the room, like, people like coaches like whenever like their female wrestler would step off the mat after getting a pin or even losing it was just kind of like you're here like this is already like a big thing as Mm -hmm. it is just to be here in general and I mean like I remember like when I had pinned the last girl to get third place and I looked over at my coach he just like the amount of like (laughs) i don't even know how to explain it like he was just like so proud and so happy and it was like such like a nice thing to see like the whole environment was like it was very competitive it was like i don't know like there was just a lot of adrenaline and like
1: what what is your favorite part of the sport and if you're if you're trying to encourage someone else to do it how do you what what is it you relate to them about you know that you should you should try this too
3: i think one of the biggest things really is the amount of support that you get from your team that is teamwork is definitely a big one having each other's backs and supporting each other through practices if somebody starts slowing down you say come on you got this keep going and you just like be there to support one another and like help each other get better instead of like pushing somebody down you just say like come on we can do this together you'll make it or like something like that the coaches especially being super supportive of everybody they're not they don't disclude anybody it's it's just a team effort I think
4: my favorite part about the sport is how much it's forced me to step outside of my comfort zone and push me places I didn't think I could go and I think that like my team and my coaches are big um, like supporters of that and I think for someone that's joining I would just remind them that it's going to be tough, and you're going to feel like you don't want to keep with it sometimes, but it's all worth it in the end. Like, I stuck with it and look at how many opportunities I could be getting when I'm a senior, and same with, like, her and all the other girls. Like, I mean, it's been rough. It's been a little rough, but, like, in the end, it's just amazing. I think it's, like,
3: the overall, like, sense of, like, gratitude and, like, pride. It's, like, it's just such an empowering feeling, especially even just, like, after practices, like they may be hard they might suck and you just want them to end but then at the end of it you're just kind of like oh i feel good after that like i don't know it's like such a good feeling to know that you can push yourself that hard and that you're actually it's like a mentality thing like my coaches that's one of the bigger things that like we've been working on is like mentality like push yourself harder than you thought you could ever go or step out of like she said step out of your comfort zone and like you can just really figure out a lot about yourself just from being in the sport like I know like wrestling I don't know <laughs> where I would be without it I mean it's definitely taught me a lot and disciplined me in more ways than I thought I could ever be so
2: For all three of you, why is it that wrestling is the one sport that truly anybody can do?
3: I see it as more of a mind game. It's all about mentality. I mean it doesn't matter how out of shape you are or like what weight you are. It's like it's all about the mindset. I mean just flat out. It's just mindset.
4: (laughs) I think that it's so like open to just about anyone because you can kind of design how you want to wrestle and if you aren't like held back by some sort of thing, you can like you can adapt to how like what will work for you, and if you work hard, and you kind of create a plan, you just do things that you don't have to like follow anybody's, like what they want you to do or what you should do. If it works better for you, then I think anyone can kind of do it. Mm. Kinda
3: like a style. Yeah, you have your own style and stuff. Right, like some people prefer single legs, or some people prefer doubles, or like you said, you prefer headlocks, I prefer double legs or lateral drops, like, it's just kind of like whatever works best for each person, and
5: mm-hmm.
3: you can kind of change and adapt to like what works and what
5: doesn't, so. I think for wrestling, I think it's, as she said, uh, Andrea said, it, it's a mentality. I mean, it takes a special kind of crazy, and then even more than that, it's it's a single person, and you control your destiny. There's just not a lot of sports where you get to actually have control of that. And even as Bree said, that it's a different style. Uh, My brother actually at Alpena coached somebody who uh, didn't have legs below the knees, you know, and so they did. They ran front headlocks, and actually to to wrestle him was if 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 an ankle picks your favorite move, you're going to be a little stumped when you go to (laughs) wrestle this guy. I mean, truthfully, like, I mean, it would take kids three, four times before they could actually figure out how to beat that kid because he obviously had more upper body strength. It's also extremely technically driven. Um, So if you have a kid that's just on his technique, it's about pressure points. There's a lot of physics in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you get a kid that's smart but not maybe strong, they can still be very, very successful. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things, too, is deaf kids can do it. You know, there's, I mean, it's really, it's just a matter you have to touch them. You have to have hand signals. Uh, They're actually talking about making it so that they can put special stuff in the headgear so that there's better communication. I actually watched um, from Roger City quite a few years ago. They had a blind wrestler. And it's the same thing because you're in contact, and that's just all about feeling. And when you think about it, I'm like, I feel like I've wrestled blind a lot of times. How many times is my head shoved in the mat, mm-hmm. right? And I just got to figure out how to go from there that it's, it's about that. So I think girls are finding success mostly because of technique in regards to it, that they can make up for some of that strength difference based on technique and building and growing, and, and especially if we can get girls in it younger mm-hmm. in regards to that. But it's, it's a special kind of crazy. You know, and uh, a lot of hard work. And I mean, one of the best quotes is wrestling only gives you what you deserve, and you can't hide. I mean, it's it's all you. Yeah.
1: No you one know. else you.
5: And the cool thing is, you know, as, as James has been saying, like the 103 pounder, that that tall skinny skinny dude, or the short skinny cross country runner, or the biggest guy in the in the school can be successful as well because you each have your own weight class. So we kind of level the playing field in that in in an aspect that we're not taking Bree, who's short, and telling her to go play basketball you know where the hoops the same for everyone i mean mm-hmm. really we level the playing field by giving weight classes and divisions and that's why it's important that we get a girls division as well well
2: brie andrea and coach smith <laughs> thank you for coming to the get around studios we had a really lot we had a lot of fun talking to you guys and bringing me flashbacks to my uh wrestling horror stories <laughs> in, <lower> <laughs> <days>. <laughs> in those days good luck and for the rest of your season and yeah thanks for, thanks for coming on
5: thank you for having us yes thank you appreciate it
0: Another huge thank you to Andrea, Briellen, and Jamie for joining us here at the Get Around for episode 112, that interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. Great to get to know those girls a little bit. So we are going to skip our after-interview segment and go right into the Hall of Fame where we induct one more member into the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan. We have some nominations from different places this week, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'll let you guys go first. I know you guys had a long weekend at the Vasa, James. Uh, you had a special performance, well, at the very least. Both of us had a long
1: weekend at the at Vasa. I mean, Andrew went on a
2: Saturday, and I went on Sunday. Our paper is twelve stories. Twelve local stories in Monday's paper. That's mm. kind of crazy. And you but can find them all online. I. There was a twelve year old. His name is Brody Day. He won the. He was the first overall finisher in a thirteen thirteen k fat bike race. Against adults. Uh, against adults, like yeah three times his age, were in second place, third place, and they couldn't even keep up with him.
0: But well, Who's the nominators? But, uh,
2: so in the high
1: school um, classifications, though, at the at VASA, uh, Ariel Jean, um, she is a junior at Traverse City West. Uh, she won both the, the 6K uh, Classic and the 6K Freestyle um, on consecutive days at the VASA. Um, won them both by a decent little margin and stuff, too. Um, and I had heard that she uh, she asked the people at VASA if she could race in the boys' races. Against the boys, oh, like
0: be timed against the boys. Uh,
1: that, that that it was the boys and girls were separate flights. Oh, they did. So they were they left like five minutes of five or ten minutes apart. Uh, she oh. wanted to be in the boys' race. Um, it,
0: had she been in the boys' race, I think she would have finished fourth or fifth. Okay, that's awesome. That's that's awesome. pretty that's pretty. That's impressive. awesome. And we don't we don't we only have a couple Nordic skiing teams um, in Northern Michigan, so it's really cool, especially that we have those type of events that they can go to in their homes they and or home home spot and kind of just like win and compete. Um, against other people in the area. It's not like that everywhere. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was kind of surprised with the high school category
1: in there that it, there wasn't more people from outside of Traverse City. It was dominated by the Traverse City kids. Um, there was a few from here and there from like Roscommon and Gaylord and stuff like that. But I would have thought that more of these ski, uh, cross-country skiers who tend to be, a lot of them, people in their 40s and 50s, um, would have kids who are into it too and bring them and into them in the high school races. But uh, it
0: didn't happen a whole lot. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I know... Over the last couple of years covering those events, that's what they keep talking about. They're just trying to get that younger generation, the racer, to come out, so yeah. they need to they need to offer money.
1: They need to offer prize money. For the winners? For the winners. I think that will I think that would take the FASA to another level if they offered prize money. Even just like five hundred bucks or something like that. It doesn't have to be even I mean that's isn't that all you get for Bayshore? Like five yeah. hundred? Well I, I think it's fifteen five? for the winner. Fifteen? Fifteen hundred for the winner, five hundred
0: yeah. for like second place or something like that. Yeah.
1: Even if they just that, like a thousand or five hundred for the winner. I th- yeah, I think
0: they might spent like two thousand dollars for between the podium or something like that. But with your entry fees, I know they have that money. <laughs> Each person is probably paying over a hundred dollars to go race Vasa for the weekend.
1: Yeah, if you did if you raced both days, you were you were spending well over
2: a hundred dollars. Yeah. Just to just to be there.
0: Yeah. So that would be nice. Uh Andrew, who's your nomination for this week's Hall of Fame?
2: Easy. McKenna Bryant. She hit nine three-pointers for a 33 points total. And
0: Cadillacs went over Mattistee. There
2: hadn't been too many players recently that had, like in the state of Michigan, that made nine three-pointers. I think she was the first since like 2014. There's only 20-something total.
0: 22 other people yeah, is what I read.
2: Yeah, there's only 22 total in the state of michigan and i've ever made more than nine three-pointers and she's one of
0: them so all right i want to put somebody up who has just consistently been a great performer all year but put up another big performance uh traverse city west andy soma dropped 30 points against gaylord last week in a 59 to 55 victory so scored 51 percent of their points in the big north conference win he's been a big part of their wins against central Big part of their big win against Cadillac. Big part of their big win against Gaylord. He has been keeping them alive. So that another 30-point performance by Andy Soma. Definitely worthy of a nomination from me. But you know what that means. It's time for us to vote. I'll go first. I'm going to put up McKenna Bryant. Even though it wasn't that competitive of a game where they won by, like, 55 points, I man, you still got to be on one to make nine three-pointers in a game. You got to be feeling it just to be shooting and shooting and shooting and making it. 33 points ain't nothing to scoff at either. So uh, regardless of the competition, great performance on McKenna.
1: 27 of her 33 from, from three-point range. Yep. That's
0: pretty impressive. I'll vote for McKenna, too. McKenna Bryant. Alrighty. Congratulations to McKenna Bryant, former guest on the Get Around episode 100, for being inducted into the Get Around Hall of Fame. So congratulations. You are the latest member. I think it's somewhere between 180 and 200 members now, so we're getting up there. It's not so exclusive, but McKenna, you are the latest member. That means we have one more segment left, guys. We have to transition into our trifecta. I want to talk to you guys about the XFL. We were removed from the a- NFL for a week. We got to see the Super Bowl, which was kind of disappointing to me. Not, not really, but kind of. And then the XFL came around this past week, and it kind of like perked me back up. I said, oh, my God, there's football. And I watched it, and there's some cool things, but there's also some things I think that, you know, aren't going to work out very well in the long run. Let's start off with you guys. Knee, knee-jerk reactions. Is it going to last the full season like the AAF didn't?
1: Yes, it will. I think it will
0: last the full season. Just one full season, though? At least one.
1: I, I mean, I, th- I think it'll go to at least two. I mean, Vince McMahon's got deep pockets. He's, he he made better business arrangements for it this time ahead of time. He's got them on network TV where you can find them easy. ABC, Fox, yeah. CBS, literally all of them. Yeah. It, it may not be yeah. like, it's not like you have to, one. It's not like you have to look. I think last time they had the XFL, it was like on it was TBS only. or TV or something, was it?
2: It was a thing where they struck a deal with NBC. MB- because this is before NBC had Sunday Night Football. Yeah. This That's right, because
1: Dick Ebersol is his buddy.
2: Yeah. yeah. He, so they said, okay, we're going to make this partnership. There's a whole 30 for 30 about this. It's called This Was the XFL. Yeah. And, and NBC wanted football, so they partnered with McMahon to make the XFL. And then they said, okay, we have this much audience. We're going to make a pitch for Sunday Night Football. So there's the debate of, was it really a failure? Because or did
0: the NFL just overpower it because of money market and holding power it's just that's what the movie's about right i I would would assume but still but let's talk about this this version of the xfl Mm -hmm. what i saw this past weekend i saw decent football bad quarterback play and some really cool additions to the game i'm okay with watching decent football because i've watched decent football in many other areas we watched the lions We've watched decent or crappy football for whatever reason. It was better
1: than the AAF, though. though.
0: I think so, too. I think so. The the play
1: calling, they went out and got better coaches, I think. Higher profile coaches. At the very least, like Bob Bob Stoops. Bob
0: Stoops. Yeah, that's what I saw, and I was like, oh, man, it's Bob Stoops.
1: The play calling was more aggressive than the AAF. Whenever I watched an AAF game, it was always... They just—they didn't trust their quarterbacks to throw the ball more than five yards. Yeah.
0: Everything was dink and dunk. It was boring.
2: They have legit quarterbacks now, like people that are playmakers.
0: Some of them. <clears throat> yeah. It depends. I, that's the one thing that I was – that was the biggest discrepancy between the NFL and the XFL that I saw on this weekend was, like, the quarterbacks in XFL are not good. No, You may think that they're not good. There's a couple guys in there, like the dude who, who's from Houston who – Yeah, he made some plays. He was the only one who really showed out at the quarterback position this past weekend. Everybody else, I mean, most of these games were slated for over-under 50 points, and they scored, like, over-under 22, you know, for the the combined thing. Like, it's going to take a minute for these offenses to get going and some of these quarterbacks to get their confidence back. Yeah. But that's the only downfall to it is that it's not as exciting from the quarterback position, I think.
1: Yeah, and hopefully that gets better because, I mean, what most of these teams have been practicing for less than
0: two weeks. I think think it's like a month and a half. I think they said that it's been a couple months is, like, their timetable from when the draft happened.
1: But the one one game I think the quarterback – that was starting in the game had been with that team for less than two weeks.
0: The Houston Roughnecks one.
1: I can't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, because he,
0: he he he. Connor Cook was the number two yeah. overall draft pick to the Houston Roughnecks, and that guy came in was assigned to the Roughnecks. Like they didn't they didn't choose him. They didn't do anything. Like the XFL just gave them him to fill out the team, and they ended we, up beating out Connor Cook for the it, starting start. I think it was job. the
1: other. It was one of the other games that, where they kept wrote. They kept going back and forth. Between that, two Oh, that was
0: Tampa Bay. That was that's my that's my team, the Tampa Bay Vipers. Yeah. Uh, well, Josh Aaron Johnson's Murray. our normal
1: starter. No, it was and Aaron he, Murray. He didn't play, right? He didn't play at all. Yeah, but
0: they went between Aaron Murray and one of the guys, the old guy from USF. I can't remember what his name is right now. No, then
1: I'm thinking of a different. No, way. there was one game where there was the quarterback was named Silver or something like that. Oh. And he was just bad and threw like two, three picks, and then they had another quarterback that they that they would keep putting in. He wasn't really a whole lot better. Those are like their number, number two and three guys. Because there's Josh Johnson who was with the Lions for a cup of coffee. It was, their, it was supposed to be their starter, and he's injured?
2: I think the XFL did one cool thing: is they kept it the X. Like they kept it. Yes, you have the football element of it, but Vince McMahon also brought in the entertainment element indirectly because he appealed to a whole new level of fans with the bringing behind the scenes with the refs. A whole new level of fans of bringing putting the mic on the, the coordinators as they're calling out. It was dramatic at some points. I was watching the St. Louis versus. Dallas, St. Louis, Dallas game on ESPN. You 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 would see like him. You would see the they would go with the camera in the press box for the play call, and then they would go tight on the, on the quarterback as he's listening to the the coach tell him in his headset like what play they're going to run, and then you would watch him his reaction as it didn't play out. It was almost like a movie the way it was produced.
0: I, I I definitely agree. I liked the way that they brought that into it. and I think that was one of the cool things. I think obviously it's going to be really challenging for teams and coaches like they're going to have to change their offensive playbooks pretty soon. Like, even It's broadcast on national television, regardless if you're calling out these coded messages, you know what I'm saying, and it, don't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what your play call is, see what you're running, and then when if somebody hears that stuff, you know, it's very easy to run with. But I think that was cool, like you said, I mean... The big thing, putting putting a camera and a microphone on the replay official, putting a camera and microphone like on that. the referees. I like, like the, r- the replay official, especially. Yeah, yeah th- especially because he's, he's sitting there and he's like, well, we got to rewind it. Give me different angles, whatever. Like, you could hear yeah. all this type of stuff. And see then, what and it then goes you can hear it.
1: before he announces on the field. You yeah. can hear him go, oh, yeah, his knee's clearly down a yard before we thought it was. Yeah. It's not a first down.
2: Yeah. And then sometimes where I thought they were doing a little bit too much, where they brought a camera in the locker room to hear the locker room speech. Um, some, they they interviewed the kicker after he
0: missed his his, his field yeah. goal. There's yeah. some things that they'll work out on that. I know I, they, they they went all in on some of that stuff right now. I know that you know they had to come a couple mess ups with the FAA this weekend because they were they what were do filming. You think,
1: what do you think that the odds are though that that, that that one guy who slipped up and dropped an F bomb during one of the live? Yeah, games, that's what I. Mean. What do you they think that was? Th- what do you think the odds are that uh, that was staged? That they were like. Let's do that to get generate some buzz. That was the, the, the moment where numbers.
2: I'm like, th- "See that? To me, that was the moment where the XFL was back because that were, was the that. Original? Yeah. Th- guess that that's what the old XFL was about. Like, let's bring some swag into football. Let's do some crazy stuff that no one ever has heard of. Let's combine WWE and sports and see what happens. That's where I was like, "Let's go! Like, I'm so into this. This is entertaining to me." Mm-hmm.
1: And I like that the kickoff is back. I I like the return of the kickoff and the NFL dang well better adopt that.
0: Sooner rather than later. I have to see. I need another couple weeks of evidence. I, I just, I I, I just do not I, like,
1: I just like the kick return in the NFL. Uh, it, you the way dislike? it is now. No, I, I like the kick return. In the I, I like it when there used to be actually people who would return kicks, whereas now it's just all touchbacks. Yeah. I like the XFL's kickoff. Definitely. I, I would it definitely takes, fan It too. takes off. It takes out the. Uh, you know, with the planning, the way they did it, it takes out the the big hits that the NFL was worried about with the concussions and all that, or at least so, the, the, the
0: the thirty mile thirty mile head-on collisions. Yeah, like, guys
1: running at each other from forty yards away. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't happen on any other playing football. So it. so it takes that out, and I think it's a you know it adds the kickoff adds some excitement to the game.
0: I, I liked it. The only thing was is that I need to make sure that the, it does not completely take away like kickoff returns, which I, touchdowns. Like I don't think it will because I actually kind of think it makes it a little bit easier because it's kind of like just like a one man line versus one man line. You got to break through one group of people and then you're free. You're gone. Then there's just a kicker on a safety valve. Imagine if you had yeah. Tyreek Hill busted that first line, it's over.
1: And, you you're know, what I'm saying? and you're not allowed to kick it in the end zone essentially. Well, you, you can, but then you, the other team gets the ball at the forty five. Yeah. So you 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 need to kick
0: the ball to like the five and make them return it to earn their yards. The other yeah, the other cool things I really liked the extra point like the one two three definitely. I don't think that you should get rid of like the whole like kicking an extra like you can still kick one for one point if you wanted to. That's what I would say. Oh, you can kick one for one point. Or you can get two from five or three from ten. The way that I would look at it. Because if you just take away the extra points out of the game, that's just a little bit too much for me.
2: I think you'd have more teams go for two in that sense. Well, because like you'd, you'd still have a lot of kick, but you would go for two instead of going for three. because It's like the in between.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that—that's th- the cool thing is that this brings about a whole new, fl- a whole new like bout of uh, analytics, a whole new deal of you know what, what go- what is good strategy in a football game. I think that's what's cool. Is like you said, it adds new wrinkles to the game. I'm not I don't think by any means I really don't think by any means that like the regular game of football has gotten stale. I get no. upset with officiating calls, I get upset with some of the way that the NFL handles things, but I still am mm-hmm. a football purist. I love watching straight regular football. Oh yeah. New but new wrinkles, new new kinks. I'm cool with checking it out. I'm cool with seeing what it does and I don't know if it's gonna influence the NFL. Or not, but it's cool. Did last to see. time. Did last
1: time. The, With NFL, the, the NFL started adopting some of the stuff. Yeah,
2: the, the on field cameras and all that. Skycam. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the coolest things about the XFL to me that none of you have mentioned so far or were any games played this weekend in an actual NFL stadium?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they played at MetLife. Dallas plays New at New York played at MetLife. Oh.
5: Yeah.
2: New York plays at MetLife, but Dallas plays at the Ranger Stadium.
0: I don't know, but they played at MetLife.
2: DC I have no plays idea. at D C plays at Audi Field, which is where DC United plays. Right, there's no
0: way there's no football team down there anyway. Well, Washington's not in DC technically. Right.
2: I just think it's cool for fans to go see a. I mean, the Winter Classic at Michigan Stadium. People just like seeing sports in different, non different venues, different venues, non traditional. Yeah. I think that's an appeal to some people too, because they're like, "Oh, I was there for the one time that a football game was played here." Yeah, I think that's why. That's, yeah. that's, that's another reason why tickets did so well. There was uh, someone on Twitter that mentioned that that the Dallas team, sh- Dallas's team, should move up and play a game at Oklahoma Gaylor Memorial Stadium just to have Bob Stoops return and see what this, how many students would come out. I think yeah. it would be cool to have the league traveling. A uh, Paul Rabel, his uh, Premier Lacrosse League, it didn't have a home stadium or a home c- a city. He just they had uh, six teams and they would do like three games. Three games at Chicago, and then they would pack up their stuff and go to St. Louis and do three games there.
0: I don't think that works the same for the XFL. I can't work the same for the XFL, though. That was my idea for football. I just don't. Th- I don't think that can uh, uh, a road show warrior can really work for football. Yeah, I think you got to kind of gel- get a, a fan base, kind of. Yeah, you, like I, 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 <laughs> especially especially when it comes to something like this. Like, they need to build that fan base. That's the thing is. Basically, three to five years from now, I still don't see an XFL stadium being built. You know what I'm saying? They're still going to be using other people's stuff for trying to bum off of NFL stadiums or whatever. Especially if the the season is this is short. Yeah, eight games, right? And yeah, eight. And that's a f- I think it's six
1: regular season, and then yeah, the two of the playoffs. playoffs. Um, so, did, did you guys notice that the uh, each team brings its own balls? I did not no. notice the difference, no Yeah, each team brings its own balls So they're different colors Like the X on the end the little thing is different the end. colors that The team colors okay, are different so, so the one guy got a pick in one of the games One guy got a pick and kept the ball So he kept the ball from the other team <laughs> Oh yeah, that's cool <laughs>
0: uh, No, I was thinking about that Like, I know it sounds crazy, but like, did it seem like the balls were like way inflated? Pat McAfee thought about Thought so Like just yeah, just every everywhere I watched them bounce, or like even like they hit off somebody's chest and they hit the ground, they just seemed like they were more. I mean, it's 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 different rules, so their inflation rules might be higher. You know what I'm saying? There might be more bounce and pep in the ball. I don't know, but I was just it's something I actually noticed with my eyes. I thought that there was more bounce. Holy crap! This is the last thing about it. They gonna sign Tom Brady then? <laughs> no, the, he wants less. Remember, he wants less. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, one, just last thing. I think the cool thing about the XFL that I saw compared to the AAF was there was players that I recognized, players who had been in the NFL, players who might be going to the NFL, players who – it was a good mix of people who are going to be in the XFL, people who have been in the NFL or trying to make it back, people who are trying to go there in the first place. Like there are even just some stupid names that I saw. I was like, Man, I know who that is or that guy, even if he just had a cup of coffee in the league, I remember him doing this. I mean, like that Dallas St. Louis game, the Marquette King, the punter, the, the two punters went back and forth and literally pinned the teams inside the three yard line on like back to back to back to back punts and I was just like, dang, like
2: Yeah, the okay. AF the AF was trying to blatantly be like the minor league of football. Yeah. And I it mean, ended up being that way. <laughs> where yeah. you had players that were just training camp only or maybe played two games in the NFL and this is their chance to make it back.
0: Yeah. This is a chance for people to showcase their skills for the NFL, but at the same time, mm-hmm. they're there to get paid to play football. So I'm excited. I think it'll last the rest of the year. I don't think it'll last five, personally. Yeah. I'd th- say I think two to three. Yeah. I don't think it'll last five. I don't think it'll have enough staying power where you're gonna catch, you know, random people out in their, you know, Dallas defenders gear or D C defenders gear or whatever. Yeah. But
1: maybe maybe Vince McMahon makes some kind of deal with the NFL. To some kind of cooperative deal You know of making it kind of the Not the unofficial minor league but Somewhere th- where you can I play football I, year round and make it I, You know I think that there could be something like that and, and have the XFL be the testing ground for new rules For the NFL and all that kind of stuff Yeah you know, the NFL does not have a, a G doing League Or a D League or anything Yeah, Instead of trying out your new rules at the Pro Bowl yeah. That nobody watches
2: Vince McMahon knows entertainment I trust him a whole lot more than whoever was the CEO Of the
0: AF <laughs> I guess we'll see. It's a big experiment. Second time around. We all Experiment know football league. Yeah, literally. Big experiment football league. <laughs> Maybe that's what it stands for. Yeah, right? I never, I never understood it. <laughs> no one knows for what the X stands for. For the himself. love of football is what it is. So. got to get DMX involved somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> X going to give to you? Yes. Yes, that's the new theme. Yeah, there has to be a theme song, right? That's got to be. He might be in jail though, I don't know. <laughs> he was on weapon charges for quite some time. But... I'm excited. You guys are excited. The get arounds excited. We'll have to, we'll have to revisit it after it folds or something. We'll talk more about it <laughs> and see what our overall thoughts were uh, once it folds. But as always, like, share, retweet, comment, interact with us, so we know that you're listening. We love you. You love us. We know it. We'll see you for episode one thirteen.